You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, the 1st of February, 2019. We've already got a whole month in the books for 2019. This, of course, is your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us, as usual, is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning. Hey, good morning, Craig. Um... I mean, just be, even before we started, you know, it's starting to feel like the first month of 2016, and uh, been pretty exciting so far. Certainly has, and there are a lot of parallels, no doubt about that. Hey, before we get started, too, we're going to have the Chinese New Year celebration this week. In fact, Chinese markets are going to be closed all week long, and gold investors usually know that that's something you got to pay attention to. And Sprott Money is excited to celebrate the Chinese New Year. Zodiac signs play an integral part in Chinese culture and can be used to determine your fortune for the year. 2019 is the year of the pig. So we have one ounce and two ounce year of the pig silver coins. And they are produced by the Perth Mint. And they are, of course, available at Sprott Money. You can call us at 888-861-0775 or visit SprottMoney.com. Eric, this has not been a a piggish week for us. Uh, We've had a very good week with uh, uh, what seems to be a full turnaround now in progress by the Fed. I would imagine you've got some thoughts on that. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a great week for those who who are pigging out on uh, precious metals for sure. Um, and I I just find the the Fed cave in as they describe it is like it's so complete. I mean to think that they take the rate increases basically off the table and then the uh, balance sheet reduction as well, and leave it kind of like wide open. And I think, oh boy, that's a that's a wonderful wonderful transition uh, for those of us who believe in precious metals, and don't believe in fiat currency. Because the fiat currency part is basically an admission by the Fed that if they're not juicing the system, the system doesn't work. Yeah, That's essentially what they've said here. So it, it makes you look back at what happened and, and makes you have to think, okay, am I going to buy into, well, this is just going to happen again, and we're all paying, playing the greater fool theory, right? Like, we all know it's, it shouldn't be going up, but the Fed's got it going up, so I'm going to stay in the game. But the game's going to end someday because you've got to get back to some kind of normalcy. And normalcy is not zero interest rates and printing money and buying all the government's bonds. So I, I think all central banks for the last, ever since the financial crisis, have had this thing where they felt it was their responsibility to keep it together, which they did. And, of course, promoted the, the inflation of assets, particularly financial assets. And even just pausing is going to cause things to weaken. So, I don't know, if the Fed goes back to uh, printing money again, look out for precious metals because the dollar will weaken off here. And people realize the relative merits of precious metals versus paper assets. Yeah. And we're, we've got some interesting news as of late in the, in the physical demand space, Eric. Uh, it's not just uh, you and I and others. Uh, your friends at the World Gold Council yesterday reported that the global central banks added more gold to their reserves in 2018 than they have since 1967, a whopping 651 metric tons. You throw that on top of uh, Indian demand. You throw that on top of the gold that never uh, gets that leaves China's shores. Yeah, the, the ETF demand, Eric. I, where's all this gold coming from? Yeah, it's pretty exciting, and uh, you know when you start looking at numbers like 650 for central banks and uh, ETFs weren't much last year; they were only uh, I think 68. Uh, but you look at the Chinese demand, which is very estimated at a thousand to two thousand tons. 
Um, you and, and the uh, the Indian demand of what was it six hundred tons? I mean, you can come up with one hundred percent of the world's gold supply, the mining mine supply, very very quickly here. And now, as we go into nineteen, we have the ETFs uh, in the month of January already added more gold in one month than all of last year, seventy tons. I mean, we can't have the ETF adding eight hundred tons. And India doing 800 tons, and China doing 1,000 tons, and banks doing 680 tons. There's, there, it's not going to fit. And we haven't even talked about jewelry yet. Right. You know? It's like, it's crazy. So the physical attributes that you're referring to uh, are just getting stronger and stronger. And I kind of, I think I alluded to this last week, when we get these, you know, potential sell-offs in paper gold, they they seem to abort very very quickly. Yeah, we had one this morning where the jobs number came out and it looked like it was fantastic, and they they immediately shot gold down five bucks, and it just stopped in its tracks. Okay, and back up she goes, and I suspect that it's, you know, when the paper guy meets a physical guy, <laughs> it's no contest. You know, they can't go there, and uh, so the the sell-offs have been shallow. The commercials who have major short positions. Are, are losing money. I was doing a rough calculation, figuring they're at least down a billion dollars. Not that that's much to them, but they, they rarely lose. Now, it's always worrisome that they rarely lose because they're always looking for some piece of data which they can, you know, knock gold down and then have the press say, oh, gold's down because there's so many jobs being done or that the inflation rate is non-existent or what, some reason like that, but it's all just orchestrated. Uh, but so far, these raids have been very de minimis, shallow, and then they then they tend to totally reverse themselves. So, I think the physical demand is playing a bigger hand in things than you and I might expect. We see it in palladium, where you have the backwardation. Right. There's talk. You haven't mentioned silver yet, but I know you and I discussed Indian silver demand, which was incredible. Uh, for the month of November, it was up something like 138% to some huge number of tons. I think it was like 800 tons or Eight, something. 828 metric tons just in the month yeah. of November, Eric. That's about, if you, since China doesn't export silver, that's about 30, 35% of global mine supply for the month. Yeah, for India, up 138%. How does one country get to buy 138% more silver? Yeah. You know, and the silver price not go up. Yeah. And of course, silver's. Acting very steady here, it just keeps going up. You know, blew through, not blew through, went through sixteen, as gold went through thirteen hundred, which are kind of were magical numbers that uh, we had to get through. Everything looks good technically, um, so I, I think we have the same thing happening in silver that we have ha- have happening in gold, and I don't think it's going to be too long uh, before we start to see investors who are buying gold start to buy silver, and of course. At eighty to one, <laughs> you know, you, you can put one dollar into silver versus eighty into gold, but people don't invest that way, right? If a guy right. makes gold or silver, he, he, maybe if he's going to put eighty in gold, he puts forty in silver. Well, that's not easy to do when the price is eighty to one. So that silver could get very exciting going forward here. 
You mentioned the parallels to 2016. You know, a lot of folks, uh, that, that rally came on uh, so quickly and out of the blue. A lot of folks ended up chasing or waiting for a pullback and never profiting and not getting in maybe till the end and that sort of thing. We've already seen, uh, like the Huey Index, move up 25% off its lows. Uh, the GDX, the GDXJ seem to be breaking out. I think we're right on the cusp of some institutional money beginning to flow into the sector because of the relative outperformance versus the S&P. Eric, you've done a wonderful job of keeping us abreast of, of uh, some of the companies that you know that you invest in and that you're involved in, uh, and I think that's some valuable information. I, I would suppose you've probably got a couple updates for us this week. But before I go, I think I want to talk about things that I also see and hear, and I do see and hear that mainstream institutional managers are looking at gold and gold stocks. Okay, so that's a big, big change. And right. You can just imagine that little bit of interest. <laughs> goes a long way when it comes to, you know, people deciding to put some money in in what is a a shrinking supply of of gold and silver equities. So that's very exciting. Uh, I did want to make a couple of comments uh, on both Sokoman and uh, Kirkland Lake. Maybe I should start with Sokoman, who released uh, some drill results that I was debating whether I would it's a, uh, you know, disappointing or unimpressive, and uh, I guess disappointing is probably the more appropriate word. Uh, stock sold off pretty good. Uh, there wasn't really the follow-up to the initial uh, drilling results that they had reported in December. Uh, the company thinks they have some new way of uh, that the um, gold is oriented and that the, the next set of drills will be um, more successful than the last set. I mean, the jury's out. Of course, the stock weakened off here, and it's disappointing. But that's that's the nature of investing in um, a small cap exploration play. We have had a good sniff so far, but uh, in this particular news release, we didn't get a follow up. So we got to hope that we get to do something a little better uh, in the next one. Uh, in the case of Kirkland, I know we probably have a few listeners who care about Kirkland. Um, I want to draw their attention to a presentation that Tony McCooch made at the CIBC conference held in Whistler, and I think you get to it by going CIBC virtual, I think, slash Whistler, something like that. And it's a very interesting listen. Uh, I guess the, the only one comment I'll make is that a Tony suggested that, yes, the stock in Canadian dollars was 40 at the time, and everyone thinks, oh, it's gone too high and can't go any further. And he threw it out there that, you know, with what we have in front of us, uh, we we can imagine that it could get to $80. And, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm going to be excited for this uh, fourth quarter earnings release. I have no idea what it's going to show. I don't. Uh, but I have a sense of what it should show, and I think it would show the world that the profitability of Kirkland is substantive. I have, think we have a good chance of going into the TSX 60, which would bring in lots of buying. And, of course, we're keeping our fingers crossed on the uh, the Fosterville drilling uh, just to see if that asset is uh, is a lot more promising than, than we think to date. So uh, everything's kind of holding together there pretty well. Eric, as we wrap up, uh, we've had a great start to the year, but, you know, we never go straight up. So we always get those kind of wash cycles where price gets washed back and that sort of thing. But it does seem like it's going to be a great year. And, and one last thing I know we haven't spent much time talking about are the Basel III regulations. Oh, and I, I wanted to talk about yeah, that. I mean, yeah, I know that's on your mind. Oh, and so man. why don't we end there, yeah. when, uh, what you're looking at and yeah. what you think of all that. Yeah, well, the, the thing about the Basel III, which I think, 
and I, I was trying to look this up before this discussion, I think becomes effective on April 1st, something like that, that derivatives have a capital charge to a bank, but physical gold no longer has a capital charge. So I can imagine, I mean, if I was, let's say I'm banks who might talk to each other, and, you know, I might think, well, you know, if we all buy this, where's the, where's the and it's no capital charge, where's the price of gold going to go? Yeah. Imagine if the banking community came into the gold market. Oh, my God. And it's, it's already, as we've explained, I think it's, it's undersupplied already. There's this big short position already. Like, it could be quite dramatic. Uh, I, I, I have no reason to say that banks are going to go there. But you know what? When banks like Goldman say, oh, gold's going up, and J.P. Morgan, oh, gold's going up, and Citigroup says, oh, gold's going up, you know what? Maybe they follow their own advice. Yeah. And buy some, and there's no capital charge. So you could have an infinite amount of gold on your balance sheet and no charge against your capital. How nice would that be to make money? That you have no capital charge, and uh, maybe gold goes from, you know, 1300 to 2000 and you make a fortune on it and no capital charge. That would be incredible. Like they say, give a man a gun, he can rob a bank, but give a man a bank, he can rob everybody. <clears throat> That's always, well. always one of my favorites. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Well, all right, my friend. It's going to be an interesting week next week with uh, Chinese New Year and the Chinese markets closed. Uh, but, boy, we're sure ending the week well, and uh, we're off to a great start to the year. I, I look forward to visiting with you going forward, and I, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you enjoy the, the big game, as they call it, and I look forward to talking to you next week. I'll be watching, and I know where you're watching, and I know you're going to have a, have a hell of a hoot, so... Uh... Make a good weekend and stay safe, whatever you do. Hopefully, uh, we'll get back together next Friday. Uh, that would right on, survive. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you again next Friday. <laughs>